Hello and welcome to episode 134 of the Implant Games Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Genthy. With me, my co-host, Matthew Schultz. Matthew, how are you? Ah, doing okay. Doing okay. Usually I'm like, yeah, but uh, definitely feeling a little stressed with the whole plan to leave leave the state. Um, Move to a foreign land? Yes. Uh, On the other side of the Rocky Mountains? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's been interesting uh, getting some reaction from from family and I just... uh, I don't know. I I want to tell people, you know, um, I I don't think it's crazy what we're, we're what we're we're doing. I think from moving <laughs> moving is the most crazy thing I've ever heard in my entire. Nobody moves. Yeah. Nobody has ever moved. I feel like the the sound the reasons <laughs> that we're we have our sound. I feel like from a from a practical practical and a pragmatic uh, approach to you know money and and bettering yourself and everything i feel like it it's pretty sound um but it's definitely i think there's uh you know this uh i don't i forget how many numbers it is like seven stages of grief or guilt or guilt or whatever it is and (laughs) and right now um definitely in the uh earlier stages i think for acceptance i think that's what it is that uh we're sort of uh experiencing from from certain I think they're the ones that need to reach acceptance, not you. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, ah, gotcha. that's okay. and we're just kind of on the brunt of it right now. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about what do we need to do to get the house ready and, and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, I don't want to get into it too much, really. It's just it's just um, you know, An I think this is a piece of stress for you, right? This is a time where you know. Uh, this is a big choice. It's kind of scary. It's it's uh, an upheaval in a way, and so kind of what we need is encouragement. Um, and so it's it's tough when when it feels like you're not really getting that, and uh, you you feel really alone in in your your decision. And I guess ultimately that's what it is going to be is something that you're going to have to do on your own. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're still looking at places and things like that. But uh, how about you? How are things going with you? <laughs> listen of that i don't <laughs> i don't want to bother I, everybody out it's something that i i cannot comprehend because if if i wanted to move anywhere i can't imagine my parents saying no or you can't do that or you shouldn't do that or i couldn't imagine at all so i don't live i don't live close to my parents karen's mom lives the closest but her dad lives in colorado i've mentioned before that i've got family you know all over the country and to me that's just part of growing up is finding your place and i i can't imagine anybody trying to stop me from finding my place in the world or dissuading me especially over something so trivial it's not like you're saying i think i want to move to greece or baghdad or tokyo like right <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the just moving a few states over is, is such a non-issue like i can't i cannot comprehend that it's very difficult for me yeah it's, it's and i'm just sort of me so i would just do it anyway and not really <laughs> care if somebody was trying to get in my way as terrible as that sounds but that's kind of how i feel yeah yeah we're so anyways continue no that was all i had to say about that Matthew, what I'm trying to say is I'm an ass. (laughs) (laughs) 
So kudos to you for being far more sympathetic. Ah, it's a curse. I it's it's a curse. I bear. No, I'm kidding. Anyways, so, so we are one week late for the first time. We've never been late on this third season iteration of the implant games podcast we've gone every other monday since last july and then uh, one week ago i told matthew uh i don't really think i can do it today <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it actually ended up working out good for both of us it was uh kind of a weird day for me too um but uh yeah first first time we've missed it i i I do think, you know, having a schedule and, and being reliable and, and that kind of thing, and it's something that people, you know, expect when they're driving to work or whatever it is, and so I apologize, and we've probably knocked off because we're every other week, you know, somebody's probably, yeah, this is perfect because of uh, the no, way that... No, I have the, the kids this weekend. Right, it. exactly. So now it's like they have to, you know, they're going to, like, they might mess up their schedule for listening to us, but... Uh, it kind of worked out good though because we both ended up getting to see a, a particular movie that um, everyone that we'll talk about yes, for an hour. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me it was um, I traveled on Easter Sunday, so I spent f- about five and a half hours in a car, on top of being with my family for a few hours, and it kind of pretty much took up my whole Sunday. And then by the time we got to Monday, I felt like a day behind, and then I started getting that anxiety feeling, mm-hmm. like I yep. can't do this, I can't do this, and. I kind of know when I've pushed myself too far, and uh, so I needed to stop. I totally feel it. So yeah, I definitely pushed myself to the brink, and then I just had no more gas. So that is the reason. Yeah. Moving along, I finally, one nice thing that happened is I finally beat Rayman 2. I beat this on the Sega Dreamcast, and actually, before a couple of weeks ago, I had never beat Rayman 2 before. It's a beautiful game. It is. It is. I don't even know why I hadn't beat it before. It's not a terribly long game. Maybe eight hours on my first playthrough and only about six hours on my recorded run. Um, there was just, I've played it on the N64 and the PlayStation, and there was always a spot early on in the game that I just kind of always shut it off and uh, never revisited. But it's actually kind of one of those games where, like, the first hour isn't the best, and then the rest of the game is amazing. Yeah. Unlike say like a like Sonic Adventure, Sonic Adventure 2 where like the first hour of the game is the best and then it sort of trails off as you move along. Rayman 2 starts off weak and then just hits a plateau, a good plateau and just rides it off to the end. It's wonderful. Would you say there is there any significant differences between the Dreamcast and the other versions that you've played? I am not an expert, and there are a lot of versions of Rayman 2, but I will say, obviously, the N64 and PlayStation versions only run in 240p. The Dreamcast runs in 4... Uh, yeah, I said 240p, right? Versus the Dreamcast, which has four times the resolution at 480p, uh, so it is noticeably sharper. The PlayStation version is, of course, very pixelated without the uh, sweet texture filtering, and it kind of warps around. Yeah. PlayStation PlayStation version has content cut, but it does have voice acting. I'm actually curious now if the cut content was a good thing, where they cut some fat, or if it was a bad thing. 
The N64 version obviously um, is a smooth looking game, but it is a lower resolution and neither of them run at 60 frames per second, which the Dreamcast version does. It runs at 480p and 60 frames per second, and it supports anamorphic widescreen, uh, which I don't even believe the PlayStation 2 version does. And so it is a very fun game to, or a very beautiful game to play on a nice big TV. Yeah, you don't, and you're not getting those glaucoma textures that you get with uh, the N64 version. Yeah, it doesn't seem like your eyes are crossed or anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> a, 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 a can of Vaseline spread across all the textures. I wish I had a. I wish I had an RGB modded 64 because it actually can look sharp and nice the problem with the n64 is so it runs at 320 by 240 just like the playstation generally does and the saturn does but when they take that 320 and stretch it out to 640 or 720 instead of just like doubling each pixel so you would imagine okay you know pixel one is just duplicated and then the next pixel is duplicated and over and over and over till it fills the screen it actually so if you had like a white pixel and a black pixel and you were scaling that like twice out instead of being white white black black it would actually put gray between the white and black pixel yeah creating so that it's like a fake anti it has real anti-aliasing it has real anti-aliasing as well but it does these other goofy things right that make it look even worse yeah and they're layered on top of you know whatever it is right whatever it is that you polygon you draw or anything that's just there so Uh, if you have an ossc you can actually just sample those 320 spots and effectively remove that one filter and i have seen n64 recorded footage recorded um by somebody who's good at recording footage using the ossc and an n64 N64 footage blown up like a PlayStation or Saturn looks excellent. Even with the anti-aliasing, it still looks really good and really sharp. Really good chunky pixels. The anti-aliasing doesn't look that bad. Sprites look great. And so it can, real N64 hardware can look really, really good. It's just really, really challenging to kind of defeat some of the... Uh, I guess they were worried about Jaggies would be my guess to get rid of some of that, but it can look really, really good and not yeah. so hard on the eyes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I painted a good picture there with the, the black and the white pixels, but it's doing other goofy things that makes it look worse than it really needs to. Yeah. So anyway, Rayman 2 is excellent. I was kind of surprised when I beat it the first time that it was so good. I was not expecting to enjoy it so much, but it has some ridiculously good controls, and I'm stunned that this was effectively programmed either in 1998 or 1999, because like, I've been playing some um, Super Lucky's Tale on the Xbox One, for example, a game programmed last year, and Rayman 2 feels better, and it's just ridiculous how amazing that feels and i can look back at like a lot of the xbox and playstation 2 platformers and see that wow rayman 2 really kind of pushed the genre forward and was definitely copied and mimicked you know for the next five years pretty amazing yeah yeah like the the that production the the guys that have had rayman i think they're they're they make 
kind of um I don't know. The thing is, is like that. It just feels like Raymond doesn't get his time to to shine. Like I don't know if it's the character design itself that makes him kind of unapproachable for some people. Like it 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 feels like it's too kitty or something like that, and it's off putting to maybe some some gamers or something like that. But um, I do feel like maybe fundamentally something about the character design itself is is um. Is I guess he would be right. He's not as interesting as a dragon or a bandicoot or a hedgehog. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because I don't think um, the last two Rayman games, Rayman Origins or Rayman Legends, sold very well. I don't even know if either of them sold a million, to be honest with you. Which is kind of crazy to think that, you know, Rayman and Rayman 2 were so huge. And then, like, I don't even think I knew Rayman 3 existed. Yeah, the series just sort of died. Yeah. So you, I hear you uh, see on the notes here. You were interviewed. Yeah. So a Twitter friend of sorts um, asked if he could interview me for his new website that he was creating, and I said sure. Um, if I remember correct, Craig, um, he kind of went to bat for me when somebody had stolen my footage, and then that same person a few months later complained that somebody stole his footage and he kind of called him out and said, Hey, didn't you do this to implant? And I'm fairly, I'm 99% sure it's the same person. So I've always had that in the back of my head. Like I kind of owe this guy a favor. So, um, yeah, he asked if I could uh, do an interview. I said, sure. So I answered his 20 questions, which you can visit at electronicbitbyte.com. And then at the moment, it's like the sixth article down or eighth article down, but I'll have a link right to it on the show notes as well. So that was kind of fun. It was an interesting 20 questions, starting with like the origins of me and then through history and time to where we are today. So it was actually uh, a really thoughtful set of questions that kind of tell a story awesome did you read it i didn't get a chance to i started to but i hadn't i haven't been able to finish it You're like this is so boring this is worse than sonic 06 <laughs> <laughs> not at all not at all um so ch- so but i definitely that out. yeah i think everybody should and i'm, I'm going to as well i feel bad that i can't talk about it though because I, I just didn't get a chance to read it it's okay i it's <laughs> 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 there's a lot of me on the internet you can't you can't take it all in it's yeah. not possible i i remember you know that's one how we met is uh you wanted me to help you get rid of some of the nudes and so uh <laughs> i was able to to shut down some websites and uh like uh can you take care of this for me <laughs> some tasteful nudes but nudes nonetheless <laughs> some revenge porn of me on the internet <laughs> oh man so can i you wanted use to use that in a joke is that okay <laughs> I, I don't know i don't know it I might don't be know. tasteless um I wanted to talk briefly. I, I've been talking about game development, and I there's been a silence in the past uh, two episodes. I think two. If I guess if you count this one, I'm, I'm not sure. But I just wanted to say that I am still working on stuff. I'm I'm actually programming something for a uh, tool for eBay, something that we uh, developed for ourselves. My, when I say ourselves, my, my wife and myself, uh, and it's a, a tool that we use, I could call it an, an eBay assistant. It's um, kind of like a, not quite an AI, but it's like a bot. And anyways, it's something I've been working on, some low hanging fruit to hopefully something I can turn into something that could be uh, sold. And so I'm working on that. I'm nearing 
f- finishing that, but I just wanted to kind of let people know that I'm still programming. It's just not game game stuff right now, and that's why I haven't had a chance to talk about uh, any of that stuff. So that's just something I've been working on and wanted to kind of drop on people and let them know. And you have not talked about this or put screenshots on Twitter like you did with Pac-Man, right? No, I do not want to curse this. I okay. I, I feel bad <laughs> even talking about it right now, but I'm, I'm not really saying any specifics uh, because I do want this to be something that I that I finish. And um, along with the whole, like, I've just been feeling that, you know, uh, this is something that I've wanted to do. You know, I, m- I mentioned making a game and selling it, but I, in general, just making a piece of software and selling it is something that I've always wanted to do. And, a and bucket like, list. Yeah, and also just, like, it's been... And the reason why I haven't done it is because I haven't done it. And so ultimately it's down to me and, and just getting it done and, and believing in something enough to push through and and finish it. And so I have a lot of projects in the past that I've started on and, and just haven't followed through on. And so this is something that uh, I think it's a good idea. I think it's something that I can manage. And so I'm just trying to get it to completion and then hopefully uh, very shortly I'll be able to actually talk about it and uh, kind of tell people about it and any any ebayers out there i I think will find this uh very useful because we do and it's something that actually helps us out a lot so stay tuned moving on to the news so i was excited about this were you were you excited about this at all or i kind of uh i get i think we've been expecting it basically for the last year since the the crash insane trilogy was released it seemed obvious that the spyro trilogy would have to come as well that was another marquee trilogy on the playstation and it seemed like a no-brainer that spyro the dragon reignited trilogy uh would eventually be announced uh, was this a game that you played ever in in the original uh, the original generations that it came out the the first uh, three PS one titles? I enjoyed Spyro the Dragon on that PlayStation demo disc that came with the PlayStation, and I've put a few hours into the first Spyro the Dragon. Um, but honestly, uh, I'm not really into the collecting genre, the collectathon genre. So it's not something I've ever finished. I would like to. I do own the first two games on the PlayStation. I'd like to own all three and beat them. I don't know if I'll ever get around to it. I don't yeah. know why. I mean, that's it's really cool. I, I like, I mean, for me, anytime I, a, pla- a, a platformer gets released on current gen hardware, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. So the thing, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, uh, so yeah, Spyro the Dragon Reignited Trilogy is what it's called. It's going to have the first three PS1 titles, and it's coming out uh, September 21st of this year. Uh, and I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm worried about a few things. It does look like a ground-up remaster, which, you know, I, I even Crash was that. And uh, the company that's doing it is uh, the folks that were behind most of the uh, Skylanders games. And then actually going even further back, uh, Pandemonium for the PS1, which is, a, I think, a, sort of has a cult following, almost. And is that that 2.5 d yeah, game? Okay. Yeah. It kind of feels like Knights a little bit, um, but not obviously not, not the same. Um, and I'm anybody who's a Knights fan, I think, is now like unsubscribing from the podcast. <laughs> um, but anyways, I'm, I'm excited about it. I am just a little worried about... Um, Matthew. <laughs> Nights into Dreams is a masterpiece, and Pandemonium has been forgotten by time. 
Oh man. Um, but yeah, I'm, Yuji I'm just... Naka did not have anything to do with pandemonium. <laughs> Ultimately, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Ultimately, I'm just worried about the execution and, and like getting the feel right and the gameplay and, and that kind of thing. Um, just being that it's not a one-to-one translation, which I think is a good thing because there are elements of the original Spyro games that don't work. Uh, the the non-existent cutscenes, the uh, like, uh, frankly, just the first game, almost no plot is developed, and you don't you don't really. It's it's so basic. The game starts in like five seconds. There's like very little you know to go on there, and so they have an opportunity to kind of clean that up a bit. I'm just worried they might go too far in, you know, in a sort of modern uh, storytelling direction, but we'll see. So something that I'm excited about, and it's just one of those games, it's one of those things where they're managing to tap into what you remember it. Like if you weren't a hardcore gamer and you didn't go back and play it like every other year or whatever, if you're a fan, it's like what you would think of when you were recalling what Spyro was like. Um, when you look at the the screenshots and everything and, and, and in action. So something I'm really excited about and just wanted to share the hype. Um, Good. Yeah. No, I, th- I think a lot of people will be excited. I remember what I remember most about the game from when I played it back in 1998 was the colors. Because yeah. I had like this pastel dreamlike aesthetic that I don't really recall seeing at the time. Right. Like yeah. now I can look back and say, okay, a stall on the Saturn kind of has a similar thing going. But uh, I guess other than that, that it kind of is a, a unique graphical style that really hasn't been replicated all that much over time. Yeah. The other interesting thing at the time, at least, was the uh, the fact that it would draw to the end of the stage, no matter where you were. It would drop the, the pixel count the further out it was drawing, but it still had... Uh, basically the plane you you could see the entire level depending on where you were and, and things like that so the level of was detail that, tech was was, was that really insomniac cool. who made that yeah so it was insomniac um i think it was insomniac and then uh or no insomniac was crash right and then um i thought that was naughty dog you're you're right naughty dog was crash insomniac was uh was spyro but the tech the tech alone was really fascinating and Oh, yeah, it was. It was Insomniac produced by Mark Kearney or Mark Cerny, who I think worked at Sega, if memory serves me correct, or Virgin Games. I think you're right. We worked on some Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and Marble Madness. (laughs) How bizarre. Anyway. I mean, he did the 3D tech. Um, Mark Cerny did the the 3D glasses for for Sega back in the day. And, yeah, Marble Madness. Guy's like a full-blown genius. Um Obviously, it's not going to have anything to do with this. But speaking <laughs> speaking of cool tech, so this next, yes, yeah, it lives. The Retron <laughs> seventy seven Hyperkin has announced the Retron seventy seven pre order will be coming soon. I I I yeah. <laughs> up until a couple, of, I think a couple of months ago at a show, they had the old um, Billy Mitchell pose with a mock-up. And then before that, I feel like it was radio silence for almost a year. And we had kind of speculated that they couldn't figure out their emulation strategy and perhaps it would just never exist. Yeah. So this will be, I'm I'm really interested in, in seeing what this, what this looks like when it, when it actually comes out and what are they doing under the hood? You know, that's really interesting to me yeah i don't know you think it'll be i don't know how you know i was just watching there's this oh shoot i think it's called 
Oh man, I think it's called Mudprints. Studio Mudprint, maybe? They review a lot of shmups on YouTube, um, but they also review a lot of these clone systems. And I remember they reviewed the Retron HD, which was the HD NES. I think it's only like 50 bucks, but the sound is off and the colors are off. And uh, it wasn't that great, but I just watched them review the Super Retron HD, which is their Super Nintendo emulation box thingy. And the sound is probably 99% there in the graphics. I like it's almost a super. I almost bought one. I'm like, man, do I wait for the. Um, do I mod my Super Nintendo? Do I just buy one of these for simplicity? Or do I wait and get a Super NT? Because right now they only have black ones in stock and I don't really want a black Super NT. Um, but I resisted, but I was kind of impressed that the Super Retron HD looked and sounded so good. And that gives me maybe some hope that this will be pretty good. I don't think it's that hard. I'm pretty sure the emulators for Atari 2600 are fairly mature and shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Or they might not go the emulator route. I believe the Retron HD, the NES one, was uh, NES on a chip, and then they took that video signal and basically line tripled it to make the HD. So maybe it will be an Atari on a chip type of deal. Who knows? Maybe it'll be like the flashback that was a real Atari, the a flashback 2, and they'll do something cool with that. I guess, you know what? I said it won't be interesting. I was wrong. It is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is I will buy one. Uh, yeah. The when as soon as it comes out, I'll order one from the local store, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to have one. I've got a stack of Atari games I haven't played. The most recent one being Burger Time. I cannot wait to play Burger Time on the twenty six hundred, even if it's a bad port. I don't care. <laughs> I remember that one. Man, that was actually short segue to a small story. First gaming console I ever saw was a was a twenty six hundred at someone's house. Uh, false wood everywhere matching the console yeah you know those were the days the wood paneling on the walls you had like your couches with like uh, the arms had like little wood decoration and knobs on them yeah I just your end table was uh, I'm sure you everybody had a coffee table that had like the two doors and yeah good time did you not have a coffee table that had like the two doors on the oh yeah no we had we had that and i mean my dad was you know we had a black and white tv for the longest time a little tiny 15 inch thing um these guys had this giant color tv it was like amazing um weird it's a memory i'll never forget because i also distinctly remember uh buckshot in the beef (laughs) that we ate what is that it oh. Would, um, oh, where the yeah. heck were you? <laughs> Dude, I don't know because it stuck with me. And I, to this day, I'm like, who were these people? Because I never met them again. They um, had an Atari and they hunted uh, They, <laughs> they hunted killed their, their own animals. cows or something. <laughs> I remember distinctly. I don't know. I, obviously, it wasn't even beef, I don't think. Um, but I do distinctly remember spitting out uh, Buckshot, which is something I've never done before. It was Back to the Future 3, basically. Nice. Uh, moment there. With an Atari. <laughs> <laughs> with an a Atari. giant console TV. <laughs> right. So scarred eating experience though for sure. Good. So yeah, this next story. Uh the I wasn't sure YouTube. if I was gonna talk about it or not, but I, I decided to talk about it. And that is the whole I guess I'll what should I call it? Change the channel? Hashtag change the channel. I assume you could not escape this on the Twitter. 
well, YouTube found me for it. Oh, YouTube gotcha. Yeah. Uh, nice. I hadn't seen anything on, on Twitter about it, actually, which is very strange, um, considering sort of, you know, I'm mostly following uh, other YouTubers that, that are gamers and then other gamers. Um, so I, I feel like it, that's enough for this to there have been some sort of crossover, but I, I didn't get it that way. And honestly, I think you you probably know more about this than I do because all, all I'm seeing is like gossip sites and things uh, talking yeah. talking about it. So I don't. Yeah, quite... that's kind of the least interesting part. So that guy with the glasses, I believe, was a website that launched in 2007 after having uh, Doug Walker wasn't able to do his his early projects, video projects on YouTube because of the copyrighted material. And then they basically found blip they put their content on blip and it did really well and then they built the website around him and then they brought in um, a bunch of other content producers and they kind of had this big website that had dozens of different uh, content creators that were all part of it and then eventually that um, move i think when blip tv died probably what was that 2014 2015 um they rebranded as channel awesome and uh that continues on youtube to this very day however over the past um decade there's been a lot of people that have left the site not happy there has been a lot of gossip and rumors i there's not two sides to the story so whatever um that part isn't very interesting to me but when i I did read most of the 69 pages, though. So basically, it's a lot of old people making accusations as to what happened or <clears throat> poor treatment and just weird things like that or poor business decisions. It's kind of really uh, not it's kind of what I would expect with a bunch of like 16 to 20 year olds all, you know, working together collaboratively, if I'm honest. Right. Um not that I condone sexual harassment or anything like that, but it does nothing in here was like shocking. Right. It just seemed like a bunch of amateurs not really knowing what they were doing. But anyway, what's interesting to me when I read all of this is the first thing is we're talking about it's it's about events that happened so long ago, like that guy with the glasses, you know, was a website and was popular way back in 2008. And I think the only reason I even stumbled upon it was because the angry video game nerd did like a crossover Cross yeah. video with Doug Walker, that guy with the glasses. And then that's kind of how I discovered his movie reviews and learned about blip and things like that. So I kind of found him through the angry video game nerd, but it's, What's interesting to me is, and I've talked about this a couple of years ago, is how this type of collaborative website type of thing doesn't really exist anymore. Um, like, the only reason I even have a website at this point is to host the podcast. Like, there's virtu there's no point in me. <laughs> the, the website's about four months behind on the videos because it just doesn't matter. I don't... If you go to RetroWare TV, for example, like, there's only, like, two comments a month. Like, nobody's going to RetroWare TV to find content and I shouldn't say nobody very few people are going there to find content very few people are going to channel awesome or hidden block or normal boots or um hidden or final bosses like at that whole concept of how you would find videos in 2008 just doesn't exist anymore and that's right. why websites like game trailers and screw attack are are basically i will game trailers is definitely dead screw attack might still exist 
So, I mean, you're highlighting something. There's a general shift, and, and there's no need for content curation when it comes to these kinds of videos. And the reason being primarily that YouTube is so good at it that it, it's, it, it seems almost unnecessary. Uh, I think that's part of it. I think also when you tell someone, go to my website, they're like, are you serious? Um, <laughs> be because we have so many platforms that are so ubiquitous now for delivering certain types of content that the idea of a dedicated website for, for something, unless you're specifically like a hardcore fan of like one, you know, one vector of a thing, um, seems kind of uh, a challenge to get people to go to. And this is something, you know, I've had friends, you know, I want to start a website um, for whatever. And and because I, I did web development and, and stuff like that for, for larger businesses, banks and, and uh, biotech companies and things like that. And um, so they know I have all this experience with it and everything like that. But the, ultimately what I tell them is like, why, why there's a, a glorification of, I need to be, I need to have a website in order to be real. And it's like, you're going to be spending more time on your online presence as far as social media is concerned and whatever platform you end up publishing, whatever it is that you want people to see in the first place. If you're going to do all of this on a dedicated website, you're going to now be struggling against all of these other systems that would be better suited to deliver whatever content it is you're trying to create in the first place um, just to get people to go to the website that you've created. Um, it is a kind of... The, the idea of a dedicated website for something like, like this is kind of... Um, it, it's like uh, Hollywood. Like, in, in, in the sense of, like, the way that people think that it's you know success should should person per, be personified on, on the internet it's this idea that you you make it when you're on the big screen or whatever and so i think people sort of gravitate towards this idea of doing this but uh, more and more it just it doesn't really make any sense and so i i feel like i've hijacked the conversation just talking about that part of it but i do think that it is strange. Um, it seems like the setup they had on YouTube was that people would create videos and say, please find a slot for a time for, for my video to be published on the channel. Awesome, uh, actual channel. So that that's like, yeah, the first thing is very few people. I mean, they weren't employees, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, um, yeah, basically you had your own blip channel usually and every day, you know, that guy with the glasses would, you know, refresh to, you know, to show Monday's content and then the next day Tuesday's content so that, um, well, basically the Homer trending tab on YouTube so that every time you open the page, you have new stuff to watch. Yeah. So they, as a website, would have demands, okay, we need your two videos to be ready to go by, you know, the second and fourth Tuesday of every month. And, you know, if somebody missed one of those deadlines, they, they might just say, okay, you're not part of the website anymore and delete the content. And yeah, I mean, those people were probably hurt and it is a little weird that that's how a website would be run, but... You know, they're not employees, and as the years go by, it really doesn't matter what's on the front of Channel Awesome anymore because that's not how people consume content. Right. So I, I get, like, it is really, like, it is just, I don't know, running a website in a decade ago was a lot different than now, but it does, the whole thing 
Yeah, I don't know why it comes out a decade later. Why? Yeah, it is just really odd how it's all sort of coming to light now. But I guess that's how these things usually work. Yeah, it's it's strange to me too that that you know if there was some sort of exodus that was happening that that it wouldn't be like let's start our own thing. Oh, there you go. You know. Well, I think the being on, you know, like I used to want to be part of retroware, and I always thought, oh, that would be the greatest. <clears throat> You know what I mean? On RetroWare, there was, yeah. you know, the Game Chasers, and there was ReRes, and there was, um, you know, Pat the NES Punk, and there was the Gaming Historian, and Lazy Game Reviews. Like, all of the best, like, retro YouTubers were all, like, on this website, and, you know, they, they would, you know, do collabs and help each other out. Yeah. And but the now, tr- obviously, there it doesn't exist. Right. Nobody the, visits the site. No, the, the big the truth ones aren't associated with ex- it anymore. Exactly. And the truth is, is that a like or a retweet from them on a video of yours is far more powerful than having a video published as one of one of the people. And I mean no ill will for for uh, for those sites, but it is it is just the way that the internet is now shaped. People they homepage Twitter. That that's the app that they're opening up. Same with Facebook. People people are not home. The idea of a homepage even is like a foreign concept, and some people might not even know what I'm talking about. Um, but but it, uh, the move the moving and the shaking and the hustling and and the game is played more on on the social media platforms and the platforms themselves that the content is delivered on. Um, immediately which would be like youtube if you're doing videos or even facebook honestly i've i've tested the 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 water with publishing videos direct to facebook and seen success there uh when i was when i was still doing the videos there's a whole it's a whole nother game even to do videos on facebook uh directly um so i think there is relevancy for these sites but i think that they're they're i think that there is a different angle that needs to be taken for for some of these sites to be um, I, I guess useful and I think the walled gar- not the walled garden but the idea of uh, curation uh, I think I, I, I get why that's um, something that, that might be appealing um, you know to, to a certain group of people but I just think that nowadays it's really hard to get people to go to uh, one of these sites that isn't you know a, going to then lead them to a YouTube video that's going to take them off of the site again and yeah, you're just not gonna. And again, it was different. I guess that's what's so interesting is like the way video consumption worked a decade ago was just so different than it is today. Yeah. But like now, I would never, like, you should never, like, my final point is you should never trade your time for exposure. Like, I could not imagine going through 10 days of hell to participate in a three-hour movie that, like, nobody is ever going to watch. <laughs> like, know. nobody probably goes back and, and watches. It. Like, it's just, right. I don't know. I've Like, in that respect, I feel like, you know, people were taken advantage of, or maybe, you know, it did launch their careers either online or in the real world. I'm not sure, but it doesn't really seem to make much sense to me. Like, obviously, you know that I I can't make you famous. I would never try and promise you, you know, exposure for your time. That would just be so dishonest. Yeah. And and I think, 
I think that's it, man. I think, um, you know, there might be some bitterness behind some of this, but I think ultimately whatever, whatever, because I honestly don't know too much about a lot of what, what's, what's going on other than a little bit of what I've heard and, and everything. And it does seem like, um, a lot of these kinds of sites, I have a little bit of, uh, you know, insight into kind of the behind the scenes, uh, you know, I, uh, I was helping manage the Gaming Rebellion website for a while, and it's yeah, it, it's it's tough to say that the the time and the effort it it is purely from the people that are running these things. It is purely a passion, and that's you know it, it the idea that it can be something more than that requires such dedication and um, sacrifice and, and those kinds of things that you, you have to realize that you may be sacrificing all of your time and, and effort on something that's not going to come to pass. Um, especially with the shape of the internet now. And this obviously was, it was, uh, it sounds like a lot of this was during a different time. It was during when dinosaurs roamed the earth and blip TV <laughs> was man. the most popular. Right. Isn't that weird? Like a decade ago, all the best producers didn't use YouTube. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I know. All right. Anything else to add or no. should we change the channel? I think we did good. <laughs> we didn't get into anything I didn't want to get into. That's good. <laughs> all right. So moving on from the news into other topics, I finally spent some money. I, um, I've had the same TV in my living room for nine years. It was 2008, I believe. Yes, it was 2008. I bought a 55 inch Vizio and I've been using that TV for a long time and I finally decided well I've got this Xbox one s I've got tax return money that we didn't use for anything I think I'm going to buy a TV and the TV I've been looking at for the last six months went on sale for $600 at Best Buy so I did it I bought a Vizio M series the M55-E0 so I believe they're Highest end is like the P series or something. This is like their mid-range television, but it is a 4K Ultra HD or HDR set and uh, same size, but it's kind of funny. The first thing I noticed is like, wow, this thing looks so much smaller and that's because it doesn't have a three inch bezel going all the way around it. <laughs> <laughs> it just has like a half inch bezel. So it actually looks and yeah, it, it, it's, it's a nice looking TV. Um, so what's nice about the M series is it's backlit, not side lit, but it's backlit and it has like 36 or 32 zones. So there's like a bunch of LEDs behind the screen. And so if there's like a black area on the screen, it will just completely completely shut that zone off and that area of the screen will be completely blank. In fact, if you have it on and there's nothing on the screen, you can't even tell it's on, even oh, if all the nice. lights are off. So they're kind of replicating the what plasma TVs used to be like able to plasma do. used to do or what OLEDs do today. Yeah. Um, if you spend the extra $300, you could get one that has like 70 or 90 zones um, instead of just the 32. But I, I'm not I can't spend 900 or a thousand dollars on a TV at this point in my life. Um, but it actually um, it's pretty amazing. And. You know, I said I didn't think the 4K resolution would be a big difference sitting on my couch, but either my eyes are tricking me or I am noticing an increase in sharpness. What's fascinating, well, the Vizio TV spy on you, but there's a 
bunch of apps. It's almost like a Roku. So there's like the Netflix app and uh, you have to spend an extra $3 and then Netflix will give you 4K programming. So like we watched Jessica Jones in 4K, Dolby Vision, and it was beautiful. It was really, really gorgeous. And it's because of like those, you know, that black, black because it's shutting lights off. And then I don't know how bright it is. I think it's like 272 nits of brightness versus like my old TV, which might not have even been a hundred. So it's like three times brighter. Plus you have more color information. Yeah. Yeah. So there was points, I think in Jessica Jones where the director of photography knew he was shooting in HDR. And I noticed it was very like, I don't know which director is most known for this, but there was definitely times where like he was shooting at light bulbs. (laughs) So you'd get like these super bright spots on the screen, but you wouldn't lose any other detail. And it was really just it was amazing looking and there was one scene in particular where there was like a laptop open and like you could see the screen perfectly clear usually that would be blown out um with a normal camera um so there were just moments where i'm like ah that's something i couldn't see before ah the director of photography you know knew what he was shooting for and then just every it was yeah it's a great tv i really enjoyed it So that's the Vizio M-Series, the M5501. That's last year's model, $600 at Best Buy. The only things I didn't like about it, um, the off-angle viewing is not very good. So once you get maybe 30 to 45 degrees off-center, the blacks start to get gray. But it's still a lot better than like my nine-year-old tv but like you and i are looking at these nice ips imac displays where you can get on the side of the thing and it still looks perfect so that's something i noticed right away and um the other problem is it has four hdmi inputs and they all support ultra hd um, but only the HDMI input one supports all of the features at 60 frames per second, uh, which is what you want for the PS4 Pro or for the Xbox One X or even the Xbox One S, where I believe it will do some upscaling or some games will still support HDR. Um, And what's weird is you actually had to enable all of that. I had to find it in a menu because I kept running like the diagnostics on the Xbox One S and it kept telling me like, you know, check mark, check mark and then like a cross sign saying nope your tv doesn't support this i'm like but i know it does but it was actually some of the features were disabled i had to go on in the menu of the tv and enable them and i believe a lot of stuff was disabled to save power so that it would get its energy star sticker (laughs) right right so once i disabled everything that all works the xbox one s now you know it says okay you your tv does everything so let me so, ask you. Let me ask you a question. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a pet peeve of mine. How you answer is going to determine how I respect you as a human being. <laughs> Does the show end now or in an hour? <laughs> right. Oh uh, no, but uh, do you do you know about this whole like um, refresh rate thing that TVs are doing now? Meaning, uh, um, 
they tend to they it's I don't they all have different names for it, but it's like a screen smoothing effect. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm aware of that. So my old TV or the one that's in the game room now was a 120 hertz TV, uh, which was great. And then at the time, I also bought a Blu-ray player that supported 20 frames per 24 frames per second, so I could watch film. And the 24 frames, you okay. know, each field would show oh, okay. five times and then move on, so you'd get this perfect Good. 24 frames per second video, and it was great. There was a smoothing feature where it would take 24 frames and then interpolate it into 120, which sometimes looked weird on something like Cars. I remember watching Cars on Blu-ray in that smoothing, and it was like jaw-droppingly beautiful yeah but then if you'd watch like training day it looked like a soap opera and it was really weird right and and it's inconsistent as well Um, yeah there's airs especially like mini blinds or anything like that you get super weird eventually i just shut it off but i mean it's something you would play with yeah Um, you know with the games you know you don't want that well, you don't. No, then you introduce leg. Oh, that because I didn't it know. has to store the frame up for yeah. you know a few dozen milliseconds so that I could you know then build more frames. Yeah. Um. I so see. actually, that is something I noticed right away. Is this TV isn't 120 hertz? So the first time I watched 24 frames per second content, I recognized right away. Oh, that's that's not that's a little more jittery than I'm used to. So that's unfortunate, but it I is see. what it is. Yeah. The only other problem too is the those dimmable zones. If content's moving around really fast, sometimes the dimming lags slightly and you can see it and it's kind of weird. I'm used to it now, but like when we first watched, you know, something on the TV, my wife was like, "Why is it doing that?" I'm like, "You see it, don't you?" She's like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> And so I shut it off, but then it didn't look nearly as good. The contrast was obviously way worse. So I turned it back on and now we're just used to it. Yeah. So the Xbox One S led me to a 4K, you know, HDR set. And uh, I've got a couple of uh, movies now. I watched Alien Covenant in 4K. But honestly, the Netflix stuff is really great. I, I like no offense to Blu-ray, but like streaming 4K worked great. Yeah. Well, then, you know, they've got all these new compression um, algorithms and, and uh, codecs and stuff. And so video, they, they can, you know, it's not, it's actually not that big a hit on the bandwidth either. So it's pretty. Oh, I should, I should, I forgot to write all this stuff down. So one thing the Xbox One S doesn't do as a Blu-ray player is it does not support Dolby Vision, which is some sort of video codec that sort of your TV tells the Dolby Vision what capabilities it has and that oh. like automatically sets it up so it's like thq but for thx but for the, th, so yeah sorry thx but for uh for video yeah that's a good way to put it except for yeah so it like communicates so like the the netflix stuff supports well it's built into the tv so the apps all support dolby vision which is cool but the xbox one s when you have a ultra blu-ray in there it just says hdr 10 and it just hopes that your tv is calibrated correctly correctly so the final thing i issue i had was that um i said that only the first hdmi input supports all of the hdr stuff at 60 frames per second so hdmi port one is where you want your xbox or your playstation 4 pro to go but unfortunately hdmi input one is also the only hdmi input on the tv that has arc or the audio return channel 
So that's kind of a problem because I need to feed audio from the television to my receiver, but I can't do it on HDMI input one because my Xbox is using it. So I did have to run an optical cable from my TV to my receiver, which is not what I wanted to do because that's somewhat limited. And uh, that's just an extra cable coming out of the back of the TV. So that's kind of a design faux pas where HDMI one is the only input that can also output audio, but it's also where you want your gaming PC or your Xbox or your PS4 Pro plugged in. So it's kind of a little oversight if that makes sense. Does the 1S support the pass-through HDMI? Where you can plug your... You know how you could... Uh, at least on the Xbox One and, and I think the 1X, you can... You can yeah, there's the the S still has that, that HDMI input. Yeah. But it kind of sucked to have to have the X on in order to be able to, like, to do video on... Uh, you know, to pass it through. Yeah, I don't want to pass the Blu-ray or the right. Wii U through the Xbox One S. Right. I don't want to rewire my whole system, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that kind of covers it. So the Vizio M series, the M55 E0, really good for $600 in my opinion. Um, yeah. Awesome. Moving in, Star Wars The Last Jedi was released on Blu-ray. I actually bought the uh, Ultra HD Blu-ray, but I watched it before I got the TV, so I just watched this as a normal Blu-ray. But you also must have bought it on DVD or Blu-ray or Amazon or something. Ah, uh, I... Rented it? I rented it, yeah. You rented it, okay. You <laughs> saved yourself some money? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, So, I... Like, obviously, this movie appears to be very divisive in uh, at least the way that it's portrayed on online. The reception has seemed mostly positive, though also mixed, if that makes sense. Right. And, like, I feel like I want to preface any of this before we talk about it and just say that, like, you know, you can like a movie and you can dislike a movie and it doesn't have to be anything more than than some, something on that level. Um, it does feel like we're living in a time right now where you know it, it like people have to be painted in a certain light, one way or another, uh, when it comes to something as silly as media consumption. Um, and I just you know so. With that said, I guess we can talk about the movie. Matthew, I get called an idiot just about every day, so I'm used to this. Yeah, and I think I think those are outliers. I think those are the loudest voices, and I think that most reasonable people don't don't. They just uh, move along. They yeah, just move on. With they don't. Day. They don't say anything, and they don't comment, <laughs> and uh, they're lurkers, uh, so to speak, on uh, on a lot of this stuff. And uh, so lurkers. Back in 2008, there was a thing called forums. <laughs> Right, right, exactly. And people that would read the forums but not post were called lurkers. lurkers. Yeah. Does that term exist anymore? I don't Do know. Still... I'm sure it has a different name now. It probably means something bad. Right. <laughs> I, I probably, yeah. Oh, gosh. Matthew is a lurker. <laughs> so Sorry. how do we how do we start this? Like, uh, Well, I'll uh, just start. I liked okay. it. 
Um, the things that's, I only watched it once. I almost watched it again yesterday while I was making my magnets, but I decided to watch Resident Evil instead, and now I regret my choice because <laughs> I wish this movie was fresher in my mind. Um, that said, I liked it. I did not get into the Star Wars franchise until I think like 2005 or 2006, so I don't have like a lot of nostalgia for the series. I don't have a lot of like, this is my childhood, you're ruining my, like I don't have any of that, so I think my view of even like the prequel trilogy is a lot different than other people's, and my view of the most recent films are a lot different just because... I didn't spend 20 years of my life watching those first three movies. They aren't woven into the fabric of me. <clears throat> so, so I liked the movie. I thought I really liked this, the Luke Skywalker character. I liked that he was battling demons, and I thought that was a really interesting way to portray him because in A New Hope, Obi-Wan sort of didn't have that at all. He was just like a bumbling old man that didn't really have a lot of depth, and I thought it was really interesting that Luke was not what Obi-Wan was in 1977, but he was like a much more conflicted person and didn't know what the right thing to do was. And I found that very interesting on how he kind of worked through that problem. And I also really enjoyed the interactions between Kylo Ren and Rey and how they were both never quite sure what the right thing to do was, what the wrong thing to do was, how much trust to put into each other, how much distrust to put into each other. I thought those two aspects of the movie, the most, well, to me, the most important characters in the movie were just very interesting. And I really enjoyed watching them throughout the beginning all the way to the end. Yeah. That's I'm what I got out of the movie. Luke battling himself and then Kylo Ren and Rey you know, doing their dance. That That's what I got out of the movie, and I, I really enjoyed both of those. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'll agree. I, I think those are the strongest elements of the film are Luke uh, and Ray's story and uh, uh, or Kylo, Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren and, and Ray. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, I think for me, what what happened was, and I've, I've not quite ever had this experience before with necessarily with a Star Wars m movie, but very early in the film, um, my suspension of disbelief started to fall apart. And I think, I think what people aren't, the people who might sort of say, this isn't my Star Wars or whatever, they're being, the people that are saying that are probably being propped into a whole group of people who didn't get the, the battle of Luke and, you know, uh, uh, I guess we should say spoilers, but obviously we're going to be talking about this. But the, Anakin? Like the, <laughs> no. the battle of like Luke and against like say Kylo, uh, Kylo Ren, and and um, th those kinds of things, uh, you know, didn't didn't play out the way that some people expected. And the people who say this wasn't what I was expecting aren't necessarily talking about that. This whole film, to me, was about subverting what you were expecting out of Star Wars. Like, in a lot of ways, it sort of played against your expectations. And I'm totally fine with all, with that. Like, the problem, I think, for me, at least when I saw, saw the movie, was that um, there's... Because uh, I was thinking about it a lot, trying to figure out what, what was going on. 
And to me, I think the the ultimate problem that I had overall was that there is sort of a cinematic language of Star Wars, and it felt like this movie wasn't following along with that. And so when the film started out with sort of uh, almost the the joking manner of uh, what uh, Poe was doing to buy time um, when he showed up to to issue a surrender. And then sort of the bumbling general um, thing. What it did was it, to me, as a viewer, it sort of deflated uh, any sense of, um, like, villainy that I felt like you should probably be feeling with the First Order. And sort of reduced them into a punchline. And, it, like... What have uh, they called it in this movie? The Resistance? What are they? Yeah, I think I think that's the word that they use for them. They're not rebels anymore. They're right. the Resistance. So there was that... Um, and then, you know, the, this, there's this, the, the, the battle starts and, um, uh, you know, there's this moment where Poe makes this decision to not listen to, to, uh, Leia, who I think is like an admiral position or whatever she, you know, she's the top, top. She's the boss. Right. Um, he sends the bombers in and, uh, they all don't make it, but one of them finally delivers a payload. Um, and I know that was another moment where, okay, uh, and this was a, I, I, you know, on Twitter I'd asked for people to kind of, um, hey, what questions do you have for us, and 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 that kind of thing, and they, and somebody brought up why do bombs fall in space, etc. And so this is where an example of what I'm talking about, where there's a language in Star Wars, um, uh, like a cinematic language, I'll call it. I, I don't know what else to call it. That, um, that's always sort of existed, and and part of that to me has been that. There was always, like, tech in Star Wars, but it always sort of existed to just um, be part of uh, what moved moved the story along, you know? It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily something that we we got to see the inner workings of, or, like, how the, the sausage is made, so to speak. And so, when you're shown these, like, jiggling things, and your mind goes to some people's mind, not everybody's, but it's like... You start thinking about, well, wait, how how do these things fall? And and suddenly you're you're it's another thing where another layer you're starting to be pulled out fall of it. Out, yeah. And it's, I did it's, pick, so that was the Imperator seventy seven. How do bombs fall in space when there's no gravity? That was one thing. That one scene where the bombs fall out of the whatever. Where I'm like, that that's not right. Why is that happening? Well, and that's you know in the in the originals, you know they did do bombing runs and things like that, but it was all energy based, and, and it was just enough to go, oh, they're dropping bombs, you know. But when 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 you're shown this, um, and you're showing the audience these things. Things, the audience keys in on that and goes this must be something I'm being shown this this must be something that I need to pay attention to but then the more you start to th- see it and think about it you're like wait you know this is this is weird and and you start well, how does that work and then uh, later and I don't want to make this all nitpicking because there's there's some stuff that I really like that I do I absolutely want to talk about but the other thing that really to me made this not feel right for Star Wars it was that there was a lot of issuance of techno babble and in science fiction. So star Wars is science fantasy, right? It's a space. opera. I think it's a, yeah, I was just going to say, I think it's a space opera, right? But it's science fantasy. It's, it's, it's emerging of like, uh, fan, um, fantasy with, with science fiction. Yeah. I'd but, buy that. But, but what, what was happening in this was it started to feel 
like Star Trek. There, <laughs> I, and I'm I'm not like I love Star Trek, and I love Star Wars. But the 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 issuance of a lot of techno babble and explanation and, and an exposition on tech that was going on seemed on a little bit on the high side for for wh- what you know what Star Wars is. Uh, and I should say, I guess to me, but I think that maybe subconsciously a lot of audience members were also in that. And when you bring, when you start to bring things up, like, uh, you know, the, the, the whole movie is, is, uh, within moments sets up the next two hours, which is a, an extended chase. Basically it's a convoy escaping. And in those first moments, you, basically make the people that are going to be chasing them down into the butt of a joke and kind of turn them into idiots. If it feels like that in some ways, um, it, it just is like for some people, I think that was it. And it, it might have started to pull them out of the film without maybe them knowing quite why, why that was happening. Then you layer on, you know, uh, a lot of tech stuff where, uh, you know, halfway through the film, I'm wondering, well, wait, how come they can leave the ship and then just come, kind of come back whenever? Um, but here's the part that really, and I, I don't, I, I kind of looked up, like, what are people saying about this film? But the, the part that really started to break things for me was it cuts to Ray. And if you remember how The Force Awakens ends, it sets everything up. Uh, Finn is in a coma. Ray is on the island handing Luke the lightsaber. This movie starts and basically, in comic book lingo, kind of retcons the the way that The Force Awakens had ended and said, oh, by the way, um, before she hands him the lightsaber, this other stuff happens. Um, because the, the beginning of this movie all takes place and then it cuts to her handing Luke the lightsaber. And and for me, it created this question of time and... and uh, I started, you know, it's like, well, wait, how much time is passing for Ray? Because it seems like she's on this this training for a couple of days, but this chase is only happening. I think they said something like thirty hours of fuel or something like that. And so, um, there's like a lot of things that start to kind of break down for the viewer, whether they're conscious of it or not. I think for some people, it started to kind of pull them out of. Um, you know, they start questioning, well, well, um, why aren't they doing this? Or why aren't they doing that? Um, because the, the, the plot of the movie is based around a, a singular event as far as this like chase is concerned. And so, um, people, you know, people start to question certain things about it. And, and I think that's totally okay as a, as a viewer to have those kinds of questions and stuff. But I think ultimately the, the, the setup and everything, um, and, and sort of the way that they were working, um, a solution through the problem that they were going through was, was undoing, um, some of the, uh, some of the, the language of star Wars in, in film. The other thing that I'll say is the use of flashbacks has never been used in star Wars ever. Uh, as far as I can think, maybe in the television shows and things like that, that that aren't part of the cinema history. But the first movie had a little hint of it. And this movie actually, you know, flashbacked quite a lot, which is something that in the language of Star Wars cinema is just, it's never just been done before, which, you know, you can break new ground and, and that's, it's fine. But I think those are the things that people might not be realizing that they're picking up on that say to them, some, something about this isn't w- what I'm expecting from Star Wars. So... Um, 
you know, I don't, I don't want to just like nitpick a, a bunch of uh, uh, different things, but the last thing I'll say is the conflict with Poe. Um, okay, so no, I mean, I'll let you. Uh, so, so I guess from what I've said, I, I don't want to be like this nitpicking guy, but. Am I crazy? I, it's no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, so uh, Poe was not very likable in this movie, was no. he? No. Okay. So yeah, you you picked up on that as well. So this is the other thing that it, it's like okay. Like in the um, last movie, he was a hero character, right? Right. Like a Han. Yeah, and so in this here, movie, he's kind of a dummy here's the the fundamental here's the other thing that i think is almost a fundamental problem with the the way that this story was set up it's it's basically a day in the life right again something that's never been done in star wars really interesting approach um and as far as i can tell this is literally it appears to me that this is moments after um the first movie was over right um, that they yeah. were still at the same exact base they were at before, and all of a sudden they, the the first order shows up. If that's the case, this is the thing: is like as a viewer, you can't help but wonder, like, wait, how come now they have this hyper, uh, this to this tech that lets them know when they're going to go to hyperspace and where they're going and tracking them and all that stuff? Like, why did they literally just get it within the last couple of hours? Is it relegated to only this ship? You know, those kinds of things. And this possibly they've been answered, and I and I missed it when I was watching the movie. Um, cause I've only seen it, seen it the one time, but if it was answered, I did, I did miss that. Um, but the, the thing with Poe, so this setup is a zero sum game. Um, this is the last of the resistance. This is, this is an all or nothing war. Um, if they do not escape, this is the way that the movie has set it up. This will be the end of the resistance. Poe's call uh, with destroying the the ship, to me, in that that realm of what is happening, makes sense because he's in his own dialogue. He mentions that it's this fleet destroyer, and so if you can lose a fleet to this ship but get rid of it, you've actually saved more lives than you've lost in a, in like in a military kind of game theory view. Um, so I get what they're trying to do with Poe as far as like, he needs to learn to trust the people around him. Um, what, what they were trying to do with that, but what they were telling the audience is this is your hero. You're following along his story and you know, you should be rooting for him. So as an audience member, your mind might go to distrust the, the, uh, I forget the name of the, uh, the general or, or whatever position she had that took over when when uh, when Leia was harmed, but honestly, honestly, my mind went to distrust and like, what's up with this person? And and they, you know, they kind of answer it with like, you you just need to obey orders and not question me. And you know, if if you had done that, all this other horrible stuff wouldn't have happened as a result of the choices that you made. In rightly thinking that this is an all or nothing thing, and and basically coming up with a plan B. Um, and the problem I have with that is, so, uh, the empire is like proto-fascist, right? It's a representation of like fascism and, and, uh, you know, it's got, it's got allusions to Nazis and stuff. And that's no, no mistake in the original films. That's how it was. And, and, uh, but, but that kind of thinking and that kind of like obey my orders, don't question what I'm doing. 
that's something that the first order should be saying to its people and like that's a conflict that's a first order kind of thing to say the the movie talks about hope it you know the and and it kind of quotes leia twice about about hope and it's like well in this very dire state hope absolutely now is the time for brewing hope and and making a rousing speech and saying you know we were we're we're running out of ships we're we're on the line you know here's here's something to to promote that that sense of like it's all is not lost but that that ultimately didn't happen it just came down to you need to listen to me because i know what i'm talking about um and so that that's just kind of a weird thing because what it ends up doing is it makes i mean essentially ray or sorry um poe becomes he's uh in the end he's really uh but he he ultimately is a betrayer he's he commits mutiny and treason <laughs> within this group <laughs> so if you're going to this is the thing is if you're going to set this up that this isn't a ragtag group of people this isn't a volunteer army fighting against the imp, the uh the first order and you're going to say no this is like has a strict military hierarchy well then uh what you've actually done is you've made poe into uh kind of a, a bad person really bad in, in a lot of ways and um I, I get I guess you know it's it's supposed to be that he was learning um something but all, the the lesson the way that show him having that lesson learned is again we're down to another zero-sum game on this planet where uh there's the the final weapon that's well, going let's, to be if we so, back up for a moment so in empire luke basically disobeys yoda to go save his friends exactly right so he disobeys an order but you kind of feel sympathy for him like okay yeah he's doing the right thing right but it isn't really an order because one the jedi aren't aren't even part of the the like the military structure i guess you could say and the other thing is is like in in the sense that he's joined the the rebels um he does just up and leave and and go and and do his own thing to me the rebels have always been this kind of like loosely knit uh Mm -hmm. organization and not a strict military hierarchy so well leia runs a tight ship man (laughs) exactly (laughs) so but that's just the thing is like because we i i do feel like these last two films the problem the ultimate problems i think that that's starting to to break some some fans is that there aren't a lot of explanations as to like we never at the beginning of this movie we never got a moment alone with the rebels the resistance um to get to know them like we never got to see see uh rose talk to her sister and give her a hug or share moments you know um and so the loss of of her sister was just some person that we didn't know at the beginning of the film. But if you look at Force Awakens, it opens with, you know, the um, the stormtroopers basically destroying that village. And so, right. like, you know right away the First Order is bad. Right. But in this movie, they're not really that bad, are they? Well, that, that's the other... <laughs> See, I don't want to. There's. Or am I, I not I, remembering? I, I something? promise, I have really interesting things to offer to this conversation. If you've heard a bunch of people talk about Star Wars and this movie in particular, I've got good things to say about stuff that I don't think anyone's really mentioned. I haven't heard anyone mention it, and I do want to contribute that to to what I I liked about the film. But I do feel like I have to kind of get some of this stuff out of the way. Um, but yeah, it does. It does ultimately when when they mention in this film that that both parties 
are buying arms from nondescript people that that it that the resistance wasn't part of a of a pre-established uh, new republic uh, military, right? It wasn't the established military. They're implying that both sides are purchasing arms from an unknown party, in a way. Um, to me, that makes them both equally culpable in this conflict, in a way that has never even been broached in in Star Wars. And you know, I know that they're they're not trying to to say anything necessarily. Um, on a political level, but it does have ramifications for people, for some people when they when they think about this, because it, it makes them just in some people's minds, depending on how you see war, it it makes them just as um, just as part of the problem. Does it does this not imply in some way that maybe the rest of the galaxy um, is not? in on all this like this is two different warring parties and the rest of the the galaxies could could you know the, the universe could care less but they kind of fix that by by having you know this the when they go to the uh the casino planet they develop an underclass society and there's an implication that they're the haves are taking advantage of the have-nots and and all this kind kind of thing um so it's just like it's a lot of this stuff is really interesting and, and begs a lot of questions, but I do feel like ultimately a lot of it is is sort of like r not really answered or, or explored in any any particular way um, by the end of it. But the last thing I'll say about so the Poe storyline thing is uh, he's at a zero sum game again. He, they have made the call. We're going to have thirteen ships go out, and we're going to stop this weapon. And they're like halfway there, and Poe says, "We've lost too many people. We need to turn back." Um, this is war, right? This, this is, it's ugly and people will die. And ultimately this is a call that will save whatever is left of the resistance as far as they know at that given moment in time. And then there's sort of the moment with Finn and, and Rose and, and Rose stops Finn from basically running away, which he's been doing since the first movie in, in a lot of ways, you know, he stood up to, to, um, to Kylo Ren in in uh, Force Awakens, but then he kind of go, goes back to I need to retreat. I've got to go. Um, I've got to help Ray. Um, and this is a moment where he sort of is. He, there's this actual step of growth in the character, and he's willing to lay it all on the line for everybody else. And it's kind of taken away from him, in 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 this way that i get what they're trying to say like the, the the character rose that saved him is like you know we're not this isn't gonna how how we're gonna win this but but the thing is is that in that particular moment that was how they were gonna win it <laughs> <laughs> um and it's like they they had to stop that weapon and and so it's it really it really kind of takes you out of it um the last major thing that i'll say that i think sort of is is making this not quite feel like star wars to me so you know, we have all the questions about the New Republic that that you never got to live the moments with the New Republic. The choice in the first Force Awakens was let's have a character who has absolutely no idea about the outside world, and through her we can explore what's going on in the existing universe. Right? These these planets that are going to be about to be destroyed, we don't really know anything about them. Now, the thing is, is like a lot of you can say, well, the original Star Wars movies, you know, they went to uh, to uh, um, to destroy a planet and you didn't know anything about them. And that's absolutely true. But you see, I, th to me, the main difference is 
but this takes place after those movies. We know that the empire failed uh, and and collapsed, and and we know that the republic rose again, and so there will naturally be a question of what happened. How did and, the republic fail? Or how did right? How did the republic grow back? What did it look like? Why ultimately did this first order thing come into existence? And I'm sure that these things There's are. There's a pretty big hole between six and seven, isn't there? Well, I feel like there, there's, there was all this room to explore it, and I thought for sure, you know, we kind of get some of that in, in this film. But ultimately, the structure of this film was it basically took place in a, in a couple of hours, and you know, maybe two or three days total. Um, and and there was nothing to sort of expand on what any of that stuff is, and and. Uh, so if you break down, you know, if you break down the original prequels, not the original trilogy, uh, the prequels were about the fall of a republic and the dawn of an empire. Yeah. It's about a, a son avenging his mother in some way. It's the failure failure of a teacher to a student. It's about the rise of the dark side in somebody. The the original prequels or the original prequels to this movie, the original trilogy, is about the dawn of a the growth of a rebellion, the dawn of a rebellion. The fall of an empire. It's about the journey from the dark side. It's about a son redeeming his father. But when I try to think about these new movies and like, what are the central themes that I can pull from it? Um, I I think I have something. And what it seems to be saying is, lineage isn't important. Kylo Ren kills his own father. You know, he betrays his father. Ray's parents, ultimately in this film, are revealed to not even matter in her story in a sense they aren't important to who she is as a person and so it is sort of this i think the theme of this these new trilogy films might ultimately be about um like i think it's about balance um and and finding a balance in in the force and everything and i think there was a lot of hints in this movie about that and i think this is where i can finally get to my thoughts on on some other things that are the much more interesting uh, part of this whole story, um, but I'm sorry to sort of just <laughs> talk a lot about it. But I that's the show. That's I what have, we do. <laughs> I have a valve of steam. <laughs> one, one quick, 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 one more thing. Uh, one more, one more thing. That's like this. I think this is why it's not feeling quite like Star Wars to some people. So you've got Ray, you've got Finn, you've got Poe, you've got um, this the Rose. You know the new character they've introduced. It feels like they're not like uh, Finn and and Rose had had moments together and they spent a lot of time together in this particular movie. Ray was on her own through almost the entire movie. Um, if you're not counting like the moments with Chewbacca and things like that and, and the fact that she was training with, with Luke. But I'm talking about the central heroes of this movie and Poe was on his own as well. And they, they get back together, you know, at the end. Um Finn and and uh, Ray also sort of part ways in the uh, the the last uh, sorry uh, the Force Awakens. It it feels like part of what's sort of missing with the 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 atmosphere of of what what you know the original Star Wars movie and I would say even the prequels kind of had is that there was always um, camaraderie. Yeah, and there was chance for that to grow. And, you know, you got to see it with this new character, Rose and, and Finn. And I don't feel like anybody else, everyone was on their own adventure um, and their own little uh, kind of story. But it didn't feel like 
there were those things that there were there were those moments that sort of brought brought everyone together um and i think that might be something that that is sort of being overlooked and i the the thing that i think the mistake that possibly is being made is that they are they are having people who love star wars write these movies and the reason i think the reason why the original trilogy struck gold so to speak was because star wars didn't exist yet and so i think maybe if if i'm to make a critique and maybe one of the reasons why uh there's a such a feeling of like um i feel like i've seen this before kind of thing that some people might be feeling is i think what they should have done is maybe brought in people who weren't necessarily fans of star wars but but were good storytellers and and brought them in and and had them do something with it because I think that might be sort of tainting a little bit of uh, uh, what what we're what what's happening with the story and and some of this stuff might be happening on on possibly a, a subconscious level in in the storytelling process. Um, anyways, that's okay. So that's my rant part is done. Um, so what did you enjoy <laughs> about the movie? Okay, religion. This this movie. To me, when it's in particular the the, the Luke and um, Ray stuff is about religion. Um, and this is, I th- in what I got out of it, it was kind of the first time where the Force wasn't something exclusive to the Jedi. Right, and that's that's what Luke the what Luke brought to this, and what he in his um, exile. It seems like to me what he concluded was almost a Taoist view of the Force. He just dis- well, meaning it is there, and and the mistake that the Jedi made is that they thought they were the the keepers of it, and and when he decides to burn their texts, what he is saying, I think, is that j- the the problem with the Jedi is dogma. The problem okay. with the Jedi is hubris. The problem with the Jedi is the hypocrisy of of their own. The light and the dark concept itself is is what brings rise to these major conflicts. I think that's what ultimately Luke was was saying when he was trying to you know pass on what he thought of the Jedi and the Force. Um. And I feel like some of that's undone by his actions and, and the end of the movie. But what about the mitochlorians? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, so but the what I what I mean by the, the whole Taoism thing is like it's like it exists, it is there. He you know, he's that's his first lesson, it is there. And who are we to say that um, you know, we know how to control it or that and we that's where you're getting to with like the statement of balance. Right. And so I think ultimately, like, I think what what he was trying to say was um, it's there. Acknowledge it. Now move on. (laughs) You know, um, uh, but but it it feels like um, so. Yeah. So that to me is like really interesting and and tackling the idea that, you know, and this is a lot of things with with uh, a lot of different religions have this where it, it it. Ultimately, it's man who is flawed, and um, you know you're misinterpreting these words. And wh- here's what they really mean. And so he's he's kind of identifying, um, you know, these texts and and this idea of Jedi as a as a as a group, 
as being sort of the source of maybe the imbalance that 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 is being uh, experienced and the, you get that theme again when uh when ray goes back to kylo ren and they defeat snoke and and he's ray you know is talking about everything that's happened and he's like we can just stop now basically saying you know we can watch the republic or the the last of the resistance and which is you know down to less than 100 people and the the first order are about to destroy themselves right now we can walk away from this and start over and he puts his hand out and you know it's an allusion to uh you know luke come with me together we'll rule the galaxy as father and son kind of thing Mm -hmm. the difference to me is that there is no well you know it was kind of the same with vader but there to me there was no implication of if you say no i'm going to whoop on you ray is the one who turns around and takes it straight to uh, a violent response and he you know being who he is as a character we know that he's still a bit naive and all these things and he instantly responds in retaliation he was asking in a way he was asking for forgiveness you know, um, he needed someone to see where he was at and he didn't get it. And so that to me is like, that was a moment of harmony. And Ray's the one who brought again, she disturbed everything. She's the one who brought imbalance to it. And I, and, um, I mean, I have, I have thoughts on that and I have predictions about where things are going because Luke as far as he's concerned, burn down the texts. The end of the movie, we see that Ray has taken them. Luke had identified that the dogma of the Jedi was part of the problem, and he thought he had destroyed it. And Ray's the one who's got grabbed it and left with it. And and so that to me is is really interesting, and and I think a possible hint at, at what's to come. Um, but. Uh, that's the you know I'm I'm really excited about that. I I mean I can jump straight into predictions right now. Um, well, it does. When like now that you've said all of that, it is funny that the things I liked were Luke, Ray, and Kylo Ren, and the rest of the movie I just didn't even remember. Like yeah. it just didn't click with me at all. Like I just totally all of that stuff was just like in the way of the three things that were actually interesting. Yeah, there. I think the whole caravan issue. The, there, there's too many. Um, there's too many openings in technical aspects of the travel itself that starts to br- to bring it into um, like almost high science fiction. I think is what it's called. Like there's high sci-fi and low sci-fi, but like it, it almost gets into a headier space. And then you know if you've got to start arguing relativity for why you know what's happening with Ray and the time differences and things like that, that's not Star Wars. That's Star Trek. Um, <laughs> so and, <laughs> sorry, but but yeah, but that's that's I think that's part of the problem with that 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 side story. The the from a filmmaking's perspective, I think it just it's too long. It's 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 two hours of the movie is them them running away. There's no gunfire to start the race. There's no indication as a viewer they're on the run and there's a ticking clock. It's kind of delivered through exposition. They don't even show a fuel. I don't. I'm pretty sure they don't even show a fuel gauge going down. There's no 
visualization of the clock is ticking. Um, even though they talk about the fuel depleting, uh, they 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 issue that that in 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 vague terms for the audience. Um, in for instance, in the original in New Hope, you know, you have that that radar showing the Death Star making its round across the moon, getting ready to fire on the last of the Rebel Resistance. And you don't you don't as a as a audience member, there's nothing like that. You don't know how close things are. So they starting now they have to start explaining why can't they do this? Why can't the why can't they just blow them out of the sky? Oh well the shields and why can't this just happen? Oh well we have to explain it this and and oh we've got cloaking and, and there's just a lot of stuff like that 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 makes people start to second guess a lot of things that I think most people jump into Star Wars and they're ready for the ride. And I think that's what is causing some uh, viewers to to fall out of the film and 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 lose the suspension of disbelief. Um, but yeah, to me, like ultimately, the the story of Luke and and I wish that there was far more expansion on that. I you know I know that some fans are mad about how Luke you know didn't even get to have his moment as far as they're concerned because it was all projection and things like that. None of those kinds of things really bother me. Um, the 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 way that Snoke was you know sort of a, a red herring and it was a stepping stone for Ray uh, or um, sorry sorry Ben or Kylo Ren to become. Uh, you know, in charge of this this um, this this army. That's that's all. I'm totally fine with all all that stuff. You know, those are things change. Things have to change. And you know what and, doesn't and happen in this movie? What, a hedgehog what? doesn't fall in love with a princess, <laughs> <laughs> and that makes it a million times more palatable to me than what I've gone through over the last six months. Yeah. Oh man, I can. It imagine. could be worse. Yeah. And no, I didn't. That didn't bother me. I, none of that stuff bothered me. Although some of the comments that we have coming are all pretty, pretty good. I would say points. But let's move along since we're running out of time to no, your predictions for episode nine. Yeah. Where so, does it go from here? So, uh, so ultimately, Luke falls back into believing in the Jedi, but he's doing it in a different way. Um. He he was talking about how the problem with Luke Skywalker is that he's he's legend, but in the end of the film, he canonizes himself within the the resistance and and uh, and anyone who who wants to believe in it, he basically sacrifices himself like Jesus, right? I mean, there's a lot of like relations to to that that uh, you know depending on your beliefs but in christianity you know that, that that he's he gives himself up there's even if you if you could argue that the force is god he's projecting himself as a ghost and and you know he's like he is the last of the jedi and and so it, there's a lot of like um kind of religious um undercurrent in this that i think um I don't know. I don't hear anyone talking about, but I see it. I see it. It's there to me. Uh, Ray, uh, he's Jesus, the, the, right? Ray lifts the stones out from under the the um, the last of the resistance, and they're going on an arc. Essentially, the le- the leftovers of of uh, the resistance are so small they can fit on the Millennium Falcon. Like that's where we're at with with how, how dire things are. That is their arc, and they are going and and what Luke has done has he has um, canonized himself into a 
a religious figure. And I think, I think so that, I think that's where it might be going. Whether he meant to do that, I don't know. So Kylo Ren asks Rey to, uh, uh, let it all fall. Let's do a new beginning. To me, there's not necessarily a a threat of force in, in the words that he's giving. He was simply asking and Ray, you know, took it, uh, took it to blows. Ray's a hothead just as much as, as, uh, Kylo Ren is, uh, Luke's sacrifice creates a, a display of power, cr- making them almost godlike or religious figures. Snoke implanted visions in Rey, and 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 made her see, and and made that connection between Rey and Kylo Ren. Luke had a vision of uh, Ben Ben Solo uh, doing exactly what he ended up doing. Luke acted on that vision that he was he saw. They've already established that Snoke implanted a vision in Rey to get her to show up at this um, this meeting. I think Snoke implanted that vision in Luke in order to get uh, Kylo Ren down his path. I think Snoke. It, this is all just me, and I, maybe I'm making making things up in my head to kind of f- fix certain things. I think Snoke knew exactly what Kylo Ren was going to do when he killed him and um uh luke says right at the start you won't like how this ends i don't think he was foreshadowing the end of this movie i think he's foreshadowing you know the end of ray's story um she's got she's taken these texts the things that luke thought he would he would destroy he never gave his final lesson and i think that's going to be in the in the next movie um and so yeah i think i think it is about finding a balance and i think you know, the thing that, that this movie has done that I think is really interesting is that the force isn't something that's relegated strictly for necessarily like the Sith and the Jedi. It's something that anyone can tap into. And so now, you know, it, it changes that, that the blind dynamic. guy in Rogue One was clearly <laughs> using the force, even right. though they didn't say it. So those are all really interesting things to me. And I, I do think that it ultimately, I, I think that this might the Jedi it, are like the Knights Templar, something yeah, that doesn't exist right, anymore. Right. But are um, historically important. Yeah. But I do think, I think that the, the more interesting conclusion to this whole story would be that it's actually uh, Ray that, that ends up, um, you know, he, Luke said you went straight to the dark side when, when she... Ray is Anakin. <laughs> but I think, I think that if that's not the case, then what they're implying is that there's a balance. You've got to dip into your, your dark and your, the, and the dark and the light side to find a balance. You can't just be all of one or the other because that's what brings this like perpetual conflict in the universe. I think, I think that's kind of, I think that's where the, 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 this arc of these three movies is headed, but um so yeah i guess we can move on to questions it was just me talking that whole time (laughs) well i've usually hogged the mic i don't know um i think what's neat about after the forces what is it (laughs) the force awakens (laughs) you didn't know where the next movie was gonna go and i think after this movie you don't know where the movie's gonna go right and that's pretty interesting one of the problems with the prequel trilogy Besides the fact they were kind of boring. <laughs> yeah. One of the problems was, is you knew how it was going to end. Right. 
And we don't know how the story ends. So yeah. I think that's really interesting. You don't, Ray could, you know, turn into a Sith Lord or Ray could be, you know, the next uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. We really have no idea. Maybe we will get some more important flashbacks that, you know, talk about what happened. You know, how did the New Order come to be after the Empire was ruined? Maybe there'll be a prequel trilogy that fits between, you know, these sets of movies who knows but it could kind of go anywhere you really have no idea where anybody's gonna go i hope that after episode nine that'll make episode eight a lot better but it is another director and i assume that'll mean different writers and maybe eight will just always be a waste of time or maybe they'll all work better together as a trilogy than a standalone movie yeah I think if they're planning on doing 10, 11, and 12, that uh, Ray goes to the dark side. Yeah. I mean, that would have to be if they were doing... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's more resistance out there than they realize. I mean, the galaxy is in pretty big. Maybe yeah. maybe and that, I mean, it's that's the not thing is hopeless this, like we think it is. Right. And this only took place in a couple of days. Like, as far as I can tell, it was, it happened very... This, this yeah, whole story was days. very quickly. So. Alrighty, so here are the questions that you generated from the Twitter. Anthony Herrera asks, is Chewbacca like the best <laughs> is Chewbacca like the best stepdad ever? There he is, <laughs> taking Ray to Jedi Camp, dropping her off to see her boyfriend, and hanging around to pick her up again. <laughs> Chewie was a bit underutilized in this, wasn't he? Yeah. Because um, in Force Awakens, he basically gets his heart, you know, torn out of his chest. He, Yeah, he goes through some real pain. And then in this movie, he never really gets to deal with it. Yeah. He's just yeah. sort of... He's, he's just the pilot. He's just like a, a hired pilot. Yeah, it is It is um, kind of a bummer to see him a little bit in the, in the background. But I suspect, I mean, he can play a bigger role at any time they want him to, you know? They just... Um, but he should th- be the one that kills Kylo Ren. That's <laughs> oh, how I it could, should go. Oh man, I he gets see. his revenge. Yeah, or do we not? We've done. Have we done revenge on the Star Wars universe? I guess sorta. Anakin's yeah. whole arc was about revenge. Yeah, I mean, uh, or vengeance. Um, yeah, it's it's totally possible that I could I could see something like that. Like he's got to have his moment again. You got to give Chewbacca his moment. Yeah, Something's you know, R two D two and um, the other guy. Yeah, there was a lot of like underutilized. There was a lot of underutilized assets. Now that we talk about it more and more, I could. Yeah. They could have. This could have been a forty-five minute movie. <laughs> I could have just chopped out all the things that didn't matter. All right. The Imperator 77 says, what was your opinion on the chase scene, in quotes, that lasted the whole movie and suddenly introduced fuel? Yeah, I think I kind of, at least I gave my my thoughts on that. Um, I, I think it could have worked. I think if they hadn't, if it wasn't so long. and, Haven't, and they, Hasn't this movie had, this series, have some awesome chase sequences? Didn't the Millennium Falcon go through, like, an asteroid belt? Like, haven't they figured out how to do an awesome chase sequence that's well, a yeah, lot more but thrilling I mean, this, and whole, this whole movie was, like, kind of subverting all that. And it's like, what if they couldn't get away? What You know, what would happen? And, and so I think that was kind of the idea. And, and uh you know the the it seems like to me the whole the other aspect of this movie is it's it's a theme about um like they mentioned death in particular that things have to die in order for new things to live and so you know they're kind of ending the 
the remnants of what 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 was uh, sort of the canon of Star Wars and starting anew. Um, but yeah, I do feel like uh, from a filmmaking perspective, I feel like it doesn't it doesn't work very very well. The feel doesn't bother me. You mentioned they should have, as a storyteller, they could have made that a lot more dramatic and given more visual clues to the movie watcher to kind of understand where we were, (laughs) how dire the situation was. Because, yeah, you kind of, it doesn't really make sense. Actually, there's a lot that doesn't make sense to me the more we talk about it. Because didn't they like leave and, right? They left and come back, they came back yeah and so while that begs, they were like yeah. how did they get away yeah none of that i don't yeah. know see if it was star trek they could have just beamed <laughs> well and the, and the ultimately hyperspace was still working so why when the caravan was when the these cloaked uh escape vessels were leaving why didn't she just jump to hyperspace and then they would follow her and yeah. then they'd more safely be able to to, to leave and, god yeah the resistance is I, they're, I guess that's why it didn't. None of those moments were my favorite because they were just very incompetent throughout the whole movie. Well, it was, they made it was, weird decisions, right? You know who else made weird decisions? Sonic the Hedgehog in Sonic 06. <laughs> he just went the whole movie and didn't do anything right. He was very <laughs> unlikable. And All then right. the, um, um, he has the same question about uh, he, uh, he or she, I guess, uh, how do the bombs fall in space if there's no gravity? And I think that highlights, you know, it's like, well, we're not supposed to ask that. And, the, and it's like, OK, totally. Don't don't we probably could have bought it. Yeah. If we didn't spend three minutes looking at him, if they would have just let it happen in a brief moment, I probably wouldn't have thought twice about it. Like, oh, maybe they, I don't know, pushed him. But no, you just see him fall. That's not right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Who knows? What was Mr. Pons BCN asks, what is the point of the Mary Poppins scene? The first scene with Poe, it's a ripoff from Brian's life and kill my mood every time. Can you explain that to me? The last uh, part? It's the call. Um, you know, it's like, hello, hello, you know. And, oh, and it's okay. Th- that okay. whole gag. Um, See, I thought that was funny. Was it not yeah, funny? Well, but the, but the problem is, is, to me, the problem is, is you're setting, like I said, you're setting up the the people that are going to be chasing these people for the next two hours into bumbling idiots. You know, that's in, maybe in, what I liked about it because in the first movie, the um, the stormtroopers are idiots, and right. the rebels, you know, play pranks on them or are smarter than them. So I guess in that first scene, that's what I got out of it. Like, ha, they're outsmarting them. Even if it is sort of goofy, it was, it did make me laugh. Yeah. But then it never happens again. Yeah. I always felt a little more dread with the, uh, was it bad? The, like, is that a bad scene? And I'm just, I didn't realize it. Um, I don't know, dude. It, that's that. What I'm saying is that is, was within the first two minutes of the film. And that was what jarred me initially and was like oh that was weird and and strange and um yeah i bought it i was <laughs> but, but yeah i mean the mary the mary poppins thing okay I guess yes everyone... move on mary poppins scene the prank call I, I guess i can see how it's not very star warsy the mary yeah. poppins scene so i think in the in the in the history it's it's really cool to see um, Leia used the the force like that, but it again, you know, you're introducing the vacuum of space, something that has never been broached in Star Wars, and and it's like um, that that's that 
is another thing that sort of is part of the problem of a lot of this is like somebody blows up out of a ship they're dead like that you know but now it's like well it's just like you know she's holding her breath and she pulled herself back or, or something like that and the, the problem i had with that scene is i didn't understand if she was alive or dead right and so i'm watching her for what 45 seconds and i really have no idea what's going on and i didn't like that Right. Well, and and it was kind of morbid. Um, and then, unfortunately, with the timing of Carrie Fisher's death, it it's kind of it takes on sort of almost a grotesque. Uh, it's sort of we, you know, in in hindsight, it doesn't play very well just because of what ends up happening to, to the real life counterpart. Um, but I think I think it would probably lead to a lot of confusion for people if this was the Star Wars trilogy they were starting out with, and be like, wait, what? <laughs> They can you just know. go into space whenever they want. Right. But, but more so, she has these powers. Like, anyone who's seen the original trilogy kind of knows her abilities and knows that, well, she's a Skywalker and, you know, there's there's a connection there. But um, it feels like, I don't know if they mention that they're, they're brother and sister at all in, in these movies. Uh, wow. Okay. The Mary Poppins thing was weird. It didn't take me out of it, but it was weird. Yeah. Because I and I think if you know when Neo does his Superman thing in the Matrix, I'm like that's pretty badass, and that was like totally just like a weird thing to introduce in that movie. And it feels like this could have been done a lot more interesting, where it was cool instead of I don't know a ripoff of 2001: A Space Odyssey. Right. Well, I mean, you know, something she could have done is actually just stop the explosion or something like that and to display her. her. But then yeah, it's just it, something. It introduces a lot of uh, other problems. But uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I, the thing is, is the uh, giving her her like force moment. It's really cool. But then the way that it's done, it, it's kind of like a lot of this where. It actually calls it, yeah. well. It calls into questions a lot of things that you just wouldn't ask yourself normally when you're watching a Star Wars movie. Um, so Too I think many that wise. Right. Yeah, I guess that that would yeah that ruins the suspension of disbelief. Yeah, because I still yeah if she's passed out, how is she using the powers? Yeah, yeah. There's that question as well. Which yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. All right. Next question, Slider0806. Good movie, however, I feel some of the story decisions are awful for a Star Wars movie. I am bothered by how, if I point out... Oh, this is just funny, because this is how I feel. I am bothered by how... This is like two separate thoughts. So, good movie. However, I feel some of the story decisions are awful for a Star Wars movie. I am bothered by how if I point out things I dislike, then I am a racist, woman-hating, hetero neckbeard, and if I praise it, then I am spitting on the legacy of Star Wars and must have an SJW agenda. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I feel every time <laughs> I say anything on YouTube. Right. Well, and, and what I'll say to, to all of that is... These this isn't people in the real world. This is internet people, <laughs> and I think most people can have a disagreement about a movie, and not make it into something more than just that. And and I think, you know, we I think as as the tone of the internet itself is changing, um, I think that more and more people I hope realize that, you know, this sides thing isn't isn't contributing to anything constructive and it's not it's not 
it's not like that in the real world and 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 I hope that most people see that and that this is this is a team this is a sports thing you know taken taken to an extreme as far there's always got to be if there is a if there is a division on anything there has to be you know the split in these sides that that develop and it's not I don't think it's really that real it exists solely on on the internet <laughs> I don't think the uh, I don't think the words have much meaning anymore I feel like it's just name calling at this point. You're an idiot. You're stupid. You know, F you die. Um, you know, I get called a lot of things on YouTube. I have been called everything on YouTube. So I'm aware, you know, of, <laughs> I think I'm okay at talking about things. Even on the show, we're good at talking about things without invoking that type of response from anybody on any side of any argument. But yeah, that does, like that's literally how I like navigate YouTube every day is wondering who is going to call me an SJW, who is going to call me a racist, and yeah, yeah I get both. So yeah. <laughs> welcome and, to and my I'll say apple. if you if you experience that <laughs> that bleed into the real world, you need to separate yourself from from. Whoever I don't that think it exists. Is. I've never been called racist in the real world. I've never been called any of these things. Mm, well, yeah. maybe a neck beard, but <laughs> you you made it through this last political season unscathed. I can't we say did. the same. Unfortunately, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, mo- for the most part, most human beings, you know, we're all cool. <laughs> like we're cool guys. Most, most people are normal. Yeah. This is how we will end the show with one more Star Wars question from Twitter. Haru OK asks, did your viewing experience slash lives feel better or worsened when the Porgs were introduced? I think it was better. I liked the little porgs. I thought there needed to be more porgs. Yeah. There was really light on the porgs. Yeah. I think, uh, again, even the porgs were that life and death thing with Chewie roasting one of them. Oh, my God. That that has to be one of the most, like, wonderful, morbid, (laughs) messed up things in a Star Wars ever. Because he's got this, like, you know, he's got this roasted porg. And, like, the, you know, the guy that made the thing, like, made sure, like, okay, we're going to give this thing big chicken feet so everybody watching knows exactly. Exactly what's happening here. <laughs> there will be no mistaking. This is a roasted porg. And we're going to have a bunch of other porgs looking at the roasted porg. And we're going to like make the viewer like think like what the hell what 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 do i do here at It'd least be like he a didn't turkey feed watching you eat turkey right. at like, least he didn't feed him any because that would have really <laughs> it was it was like one of like the deepest like moments in the entire movie sadly and it was just these like chicken bird i don't know penguin things no i thought they were hilarious i wish there was more of that kind of um relief in the movie because it was kind of a heavy movie without um i mean we had the we had the beginning with the prank phone call which was sort of funny to me and then you know we had the porgs but there wasn't much other levity like han solo with his silly one-liners really anything like there wasn't a lot of fun happening yeah, there was just a lot of like, but I'm bumped kind of jokes. Um, it, it, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Or if there, um, I guess if there were a lot of jokes, I just I don't recall. Well, there was actually there was a sex joke in it, which was, was like, there kind of weird. Um, Show me the dead pork again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So my life is better. I need like I need yeah. 
We need a pork video game. I hope they come back in the next oh, movies. At least a mobile game. I mean, I could see a pork mobile game. Like an endless runner? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> You're trying to get away from cheating. There, that's what you should be programming. Just call them <laughs> something else so you don't get sued and you're in. Right. I mean, if they made Flappy Bird, you can you can do the Porg game. On that note, that is going to do it for today's episode. If you'd like to leave a comment or question, hit us up on Twitter. I am at Implant. Matthew, I almost said Michael again. Matthew is at Cricket, K-R-I-K-I-T, and use hashtag IPG pod, IPG podcast. Otherwise, leave a comment on Facebook.com slash Implant Games or the website ImplantGames.com. And until next time, guys, have a great two weeks. See you.